the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. We'll go to Brandon Weikert in just a moment. I wanted to uh, clean up a little something from the last uh, hour. It's actually uh, beautiful. Um, We had a listener uh, call in by the name of Donna, and she is a hairdresser who has, uh, by dint of uh, obvious uh, problems related to COVID, has uh, had her beauty salon business uh, struggle, and she was just telling us about it. And some listeners called in and said, give us her full you know, address. Give us the name of her, uh, of her business. We'll, 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 we'll become clients. We'll go see her. Happy to do that. I love that. There's a problem. There's a solution. It's called Sarah Stanley Beauty Suites, and it's on 73rd Avenue and Bell in Glendale. Sarah Stanley Beauty Suites. And there's a discount for listeners of the show. Brandon Weikert may travel all the way from Florida to get his hair done. <laughs> he is the publisher of The Weikert Report. TheWeikertReport.com is his website and the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Brandon, how are you? I'm okay, but if I had to travel to get my haircut, it would be the world's shortest haircut. I have a receding hairline, unfortunately. Well, they'll make it look good. I mean, the idea, the trick there, the trick there is obvious. Uh, whenever you have a receding hairline, you want um, you want shorter hair. Yeah. So you need yes, a cut. Exactly. You need a haircut. Yeah. yeah. So come to Phoenix, <laughs> and we'll save your you'll, we'll save your pate. <laughs> yes. Well, I appreciate it. I'll have to look into that when I'm next there. You know what I was thinking about. Brandon, um, you know the intelligence community. I got to talk to you about the CIA. I want to yeah. talk to you about Israel too, but I want to talk to you about the CIA first. Um, Brandon, we're supposed to. There's now these two woke ads. Have you seen them? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, the yeah. first one is a female from a week ago, and she's talking about you know how great <laughs> it is the CIA would hire her, and she doesn't need you know, uh, to be involved in imposter syndrome anymore and her anxiety disorders being cured by the psychiatric office that the CIA has become, evidently. Uh, (laughs) We're supposed to be all, what, impressed that the CIA is open to women? Did they miss the news that the former CIA director under Donald Trump was a woman? Did they miss that? Right. No, they don't care. Did they miss on the Um, next one this gay um, librarian guy? Did they miss was that? A the, school teacher too. Yeah. Did they miss to... that the? I want to use a word. I can't. But can, did, that the gosh darn director of national intelligence was an out gay man under Donald Trump. Did they miss yeah, but this? He was under, but but it was Donald Trump, so it doesn't count. It doesn't count. So we have to right. celebrate the librarian. The CIA is open to gay librarians. We are glad right. to hear that because we weren't so sure after they had a gay director. Well, as you know, I was in D.C. last week briefing elements. Of, well, I was outside of D.C. briefing elements of the intelligence community 
And uh, without naming names, there were some pretty senior people there. We were who were all cracking jokes about the ad featuring the uh, millennial woman, uh, the millennial cisgendered woman who's a mother who was diagnosed with anxiety disorder. Uh, you know, the first ad um, in which I, I quipped, I said, well, I'm a cisgendered millennial woman with anxiety disorder. Why don't you hire me to, to protect our national secrets? You know, there, there used to be in CIA in particular um, a psychological profile of people they didn't want working for the organization. People General like anxiety disorder might be a disqualifier. Yes, because the idea was that, you know, if we hire these people with, with a diagnosed disorder, um, guess what? If they have a high-pressure job, which you believe the CIA would be, uh, if they have a high-pressure job, they're going to crack if they're ever captured or if or they're going to become targets and they'll be exploited by enemy intelligence officers. Well, now here's CIA talking about their recruits. I saw her award. She works. As a, she's a pretty senior intel analyst. She, she's a pretty senior person <laughs> at CIA. And so, you know, now the whole world, foreign intelligence services, know this individual, she's, you know, she's got this diagnosis. And Oh, that's uh, interesting. Know, he, Do you remember when people went ape baloney when, uh, when, when someone, I think it was uh, Colin Powell's uh, number two, someone leaked Valerie Plain's identity? Yeah. Now yeah. they're just telling you. Now they're just leaking yeah. it themselves. And yeah, by the way, for an enemy, yeah. just so you know, I have a psychological illness and she impairment. Is a, she has a diagnosed anxiety disorder, and she's entrusted with top-tier national secrets. What a world! What a world! You know, it's, this is this is the stuff. You know, I said this before Bill Maher said it, but I'm glad somebody at Bill Maher's level and his politics said this. We are an unserious people. In a very serious time. It's exactly it what shows. I thought. Yeah, he said the last people that care about Dr. Seuss's insults to the Chinese are China, right? Right, right, absolutely. They don't care. Uh, and if you look at, uh, you know, if you look at China has this annual celebration, I think it's called the Jubilee. It's like a national, they do all these national skits and whatnot, and they broadcast it. Well, if you watch the last two Jubilees they've done, they... They have Chinese actors dressed as apes, and they're supposed to be Kenyans. No, 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 no. That's China. Are you kidding me? Yes, yes. I found this out from a colleague of mine who works in China. I had never heard of this program, but apparently it's some big national exhibition they do celebrating the People's Republic of China, the founding. They do it, I think, every year, or maybe it's every five years. I think it's called the Jubilee is what he said. But he said that the last couple shows that they've done have had Chinese actors uh, with ape-like features, and they're supposed to be uh, Africans waiting to receive Chinese, um, you know, workers and goods into their into their country. And people don't realize, but notably Han Chinese are, you know, r- just rabidly, rabidly racist, notably toward African, people of African descent. So China today has got all the hallmarks of a 19th century mercantilist, you know, colonial empire when when they deal with uh, African countries, when they deal with even, you know, countries like Vietnam or the Philippines, they don't respect other people. And by the way, the foreign policy article from two years ago 
uh, really got into this. There's also among Han Chinese this this um, chauvinism where the young Han Chinese men, um, when when uh, shall we say European descent women come to study uh, in China from abroad, they become targets of these rape gangs in the colleges there of, of a lot of young uh, Han Chinese men or boys have fantasies of, you know, attacking white women that are studying in China. And this is encouraged uh, by the government uh, as a weekly retribution for colonialism. And uh, there's a sort of attitude shared among many many middle and upper class Chinese as it relates to men and women of other races, not just people from Tibet, from Tibet or Xinjiang province, but from around the world. Um, uh, you know, they, they, they rank people according to their race and sex, um, almost like the Nazis used to do. I've said on this program many times, they are, they are the real neo-Nazis, is the People's Republic of China, the CCP. Uh, and and they have a very racialist, uh, you know, sup, you know, Han Chinese supremacist view of things, and so they're the real racist. You will not get an Truly. argument from me on this, uh, right? I, and I'm glad you call it out. Now, here's where it gets a little odd, and I'm going to set it up and give you the break to fix me on this. In that first ad, that um, intelligence analyst for the CIA said she used to have imposter syndrome. Uh, yeah. For those that don't know what it is, it's 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 the feeling or thinking that you don't deserve or have not earned your job or station in life or boyfriend or wife, whatever, right? That you don't deserve the good things you're getting. Right. Uh, some and substance, that's what it means. I, I may have it here, Brandon, um, because I, for the life of me, uh, needs someone to explain and cannot myself uh, understand if I am qualified to be a radio host when I cannot begin to explain why athletes in America or activists in America want to talk about how racist this country is um, as they apologize for, do business with, take money from places like China – when you see what the Chinese are doing in places like, as you pointed out, Kenya. I have a New York Times headline from three years ago. Kenyans say Chinese investment brings racism and discrimination. Right. Um, let me read you this paragraph. I'll go to break and you can address it on the other side. Is that cool, Brandon? Listen to this. Today, many younger Kenyans say that racism is a phenomenon they only know through history lessons and discriminatory behavior by the region's growing Chinese workforce. Let me repeat that. They know racism through history lessons and presently through China. Same thing I've been saying about America. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Delighted to have Brandon Weikert with us. He is the publisher of the Weikert Report, uh, theweikertreport.com, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T is how Brandon spells his last name, author of great and important book, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. 
So, Brandon, what I found in the New York Times is an article that talks about how Kenyans uh, don't know colonial racism from uh, colonialism. They know colonial racism through history books, and they know present-day racism through working with the Chinese. Now, what I have been saying about America is we flagellate ourselves over having had part of this in part of this country, the minority part of this country, slavery over 150 years ago. But people are mum on the contemporary slavery that takes place in China. China is the model of real racism, present and clear and literal among us. But we flagellate over things that happened in the past while we celebrate yeah. what they're doing to us right now. I yeah. I don't uh, know that I'm qualified to understand this. I have imposter syndrome. <laughs> well, no, uh, I I think um, I think it 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 has to do with the way that we, for the last fifty years, have educated young people, um, where we have basically imparted uh, to some degree or another. Um, cultural Marxism, and it is now bubbling up to the surface because we've had about two generations inculcated on some level in this kind of blame America first, to use a Gene Kirkpatrick term, uh, a blame America first mentality. Um, You know, it was very interesting. I was one of the few people on the Trump's Republican side of the aisle um, who actually thought Anthony Blinken wasn't so bad? I remember that. Yeah, but, sure. But the one, the one thing that did bother me and continues to bother me is, even when Blinken is doing or saying something I agree with, he and his team are constantly opening up their arguments by saying or agreeing with their Chinese interlocutor that yes, of course, America has racist past and we we have a long way to go. And I just think that's the very bad way to make an argument for oneself. I've never heard of someone going into a job interview and saying, you know, I really was just not a great candidate for this. I don't know how I got it, uh, but I'm here and I'm going to make the best of it. That's that's not a winning strategy for, for winning people over to your side. It's not, you know, it's not that you deny the, the existence of these things in the past, because you can. It's documented history. But you don't have to point out these things. And every time the Chinese or the Russians or the Iranians or even the North Koreans, every time they try to say, well, you can go about our human rights violations, but look at yours, uh, you know, in the past, all we have to say is it was in the past. You know, how many how many people living in Africa today are dying to come live in the United States? No question that. The reverse is not true, by the way. It's very rare you find people, even though Africa has really become a very different continent ever since 2000. It's become a much better place than it was 20 years ago. But even still, today, it's very rare to find people who want to do reverse migration, you know, back to Africa, uh, you know, or even, you know, into Latin America, where you have all the illegals coming up. So obviously there's something about the United States beyond a generous welfare system. Uh, there is obviously something. Can I can I pause United you on that for a second, Brandon? Yeah. I wonder is part of it. There's something about the United States. You said is part of it. Our use the term of preference, ability, willingness, proclivity to be the only country in the world that flagellates itself on the world stage. I mean, China doesn't go around apologizing. The Democrats. The Democrats would say yes. 
the Democrats, and I think they mean this sincerely. I don't think this is a little trick for politics. I think most Democrats believe if they come out and admit America's foibles to the world, then it's taken care of, it's on the table, all the cards are shown, and they can't use that against us. But what we've seen time and again with the strategy, which we've tried for decades when Democrats are in charge, is that our enemies then say, see, we told you that America was awful, and that's what they're telling us. And weak, and weak, because the societies. I mean, I don't mind that we do this. Uh, We have to teach our history. We're an open society. We hang our problems in the window. But the idea that the the U.S. ambassador, the U.N., the vice president, the president continually find it their job to tell China how much we suck. Just think of Gene Kirkpatrick. Yeah. And think of this this person now that's representing us in the U.N. The, 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 The difference is night and day, and it's very sad because... You know, we need a fighter in there, in that mosh pit, that's going to go in there and say, you know what, the United States, we are still the beacon of light in the world. In a world of darkness, we're still the beacon of liberty and light. And darn it, like, we're not going to apologize for it. And yeah, we've had these protests, but in our country, you can protest and apparently even burn cities down and not have to worry about imprisonment. Whereas in China, if you are happen to be a non-Han Chinese, and if you're a woman, you are basically screwed. You're screwed for life. That's it. So that's what we should be telling people, maybe in a bit more colorful language, less colorful language than what I use, but we should have somebody in the U.N. Who, whose first inclination is not to say, yeah, America was really a bad place, awful. I mean, you know, the racism, homophobia, bigotry. I would remind the audience as well, before the 2015 uh, uh, act uh, was passed in um, the Supreme Court that legalized gay marriage, almost, I think it was 32 out of 50 of the states in the U.S. had already made legal some form of gay civil union. So the notion that, you know, until 2015, Barack Obama, America was this horrible place, even for people in the LGBTQ community, I think is a ridiculous assertion. We are an incredibly open and tolerant people, regardless of whether you're talking about Republicans or Democrats. We are very open and tolerant, and that's reflected in the fact that everyone from around the world want to come here. I I know of even Iranians who are captured on camera, burning the American flag, screaming death to America, who then turn to the U.S. reporter that's filming that in, in Tehran, and they say, on the cam- when the cameras are off, okay, we did this for, for display purposes. How do we now get a green card? How do, we, how do we get into America? We want to live there. So, like, the idea that America is this horrible place, you only hear that from Democrats. You don't hear that from people around the world unless they're actually enemy you know, representatives. You know, this... Uh... This this issue of how we how how we talk about other countries, how we represent ourselves in front of the world body, uh, the ability or willingness of us to confess things uh, that no one's asking for. By the way, I, no no one asks. I don't know that the Chinese, I don't know that the Russians, I don't know that the Iranians or the Saudis have said. Boy, we'll work with the United States once they wrestle with their consciences <laughs> over what took place in, uh, you know, Richmond, Virginia in 1861. I, I, no one yeah. asked for it. And it's just a different view than we had in, like, say, the Kirkpatrick regime. Remember remember what we did when 007 was shot down and, and, and Russia threatened to leave? That's a whole other story yeah. we'll revisit when we come back because yeah. – 
you know, China's moving in the world and we're not. We're not. What's it feel like when you're standing still and the other guy is advancing on you? You think that's right. a winning strategy? Let me ask you more about that, Brandon Riker, when yep. we come back. You bet. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm Seth. Brandon Weikert, our guest, as he is every Monday in our second hour. Brandon, just the attitude about what the world thinks and who we are is so dramatically different between what we were accustomed to in the 80s to now. You're so right about that. You were invoking, you know, what Gene Kirkpatrick would think of a U.N. ambassador, mm-hmm. a U.S. ambassador, you know, someone who succeeded her. Um so you know, uh, just basically denouncing the United States uh, from 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 their perch, and it reminded me of the way we used to think of things. It's a good time to tell this story anytime, and you may know the story, but I have to tell it. Okay, you made me think of uh, Ambassador uh, Charles Lichtenstein, who was uh, the deputy to Gene Kirkpatrick at the United Nations right. mission. And it was right after the downing of the Korean Airlines Flight 007. And New York and New Jersey governors, Cuomo and Keene, I think it was, they actually did something smart. I wish more governors would do this with, uh, you know, Iranians and Palestinians. But they didn't give landing rights to the Russians. The governors who controlled the airports did not give landing rights in the United States to the Russians so that they couldn't attend the United Nations. And it was damn brave of them. And the Russians threatened to quit the U.N. over it. They were offended. And Mr. Lichtenstein is sitting at the U.N. in place of his boss at the moment and says, if member states feel they are not being treated with the hostly consideration that is their due, they should consider removing themselves and this organization from the soil of the United States. We will put no impediment in your way. The members right. of the U.S. mission to the United Nations will be down at the dockside, dock waving you a fond farewell as you sail off into the sunset. Go, he yes. said. Yes. Well, the press went yes. nuts, and the State Department yes. went nuts, and someone asked yes. Reagan for a statement, and what was Reagan's statement? Maybe all those delegates should have six months in Moscow and then six months in New York and give them an opportunity to see the two ways of life. I think Lichtenstein, yeah. who spoke the other day, had the hearty approval of America. And if he and in his suggestion, he wasn't asking anyone to leave. They chose to leave. We can say goodbye. Right. Reagan, <laughs> go. That's right. That's right. Well, and, uh, you know, now we have, uh, you know, we have this example of, absolute weakness from the the Biden administration at the U.N. And on the one hand, I really could care less about the U.N., but on the other hand, it has become a, a part of the international landscape. And we've already seen China making extremely, just a, a high amount of success in gaining access to and uh, elevating themselves in the international community by, by working within the United Nations, taking it over, much like they did the World Health Organization, and uh, g- gaining international legitimacy uh, by basically throwing their money around at the U.N. to compete with us. And as that's going on, on top of all of that, you now have the Biden administration's representative basically saying, yeah, America's really bad. 
yeah, America sucks. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, it's 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 really amazing because it's 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 almost schizophrenic because on the one hand you've got the Biden team saying that, but on the other hand you have the Biden team also saying uh, China's a great national threat. We we got to compete against them. Uh, it's going to be an ideological battle, authoritarianism versus democracy. Uh, we think we know that democracy will ultimately win because we're leading the democratic world and China's leading the autocratic world and, and America's going to win. I don't really know what the strategy is because as you're saying that, you can't also be saying America sucks. Right. <laughs> right. You know? Right. It's, hey, come just, join you know, us as we fail and continue to fail. Right, come join us, right. confront the great right. communist lion as we ourselves are, you know, probably as In guilty of all the crimes they say right. we are. Right. Right. That, so that is really that. By the way, that is the point here. Marxism, which reigns as the controlling theology of the Chinese government, uh, um, um, it, it does put things into class and race warfare. And yeah. everything we're beating ourselves up about is as if Karl Marx were right. Come join us confronting right. the last communist country in the world as we tell you they're right about their indictments against us. <laughs> right, right. right. And, and that's, that's the crazy thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, for it being an ideological war between us and China— we sure have a funny way of waging it, yeah. uh, at least if we plan on winning. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, again, I, you know, no one's saying not to teach history. No one's saying no not one to No one is saying you know, that. And but no, but you don't open up your argument with why we're better than China by saying we have systemic racism. And, you know, if you're a person of some kind of minority... Uh, you're screwed, and you might as well just. I mean, right, right, right. We you know? give, we give, we give Ralph Nader freedom of speech in this country, but we don't ask <laughs> Ford to hire him for their advertisements. <laughs> right? right. We don't That's ask. Right. We don't say yeah. Ford has to make them their spokesman. Right. Right. And I think this gets back also to the wider culture and the CIA thing we were talking about earlier. I think the reason that. The Democrats are doing this. I think the reason that the Biden administration is doing stuff like this, I think the reason the CIA is making these weird ads that have nothing to do with what they're right. trying to accomplish right. as an institution, right. I think it all gets back to the fact that our leaders, whether it be in the private or public sector, are of a certain generation, and they have to hire people of my generation or the generation behind me, which I believe is Gen Z. And they don't know how to communicate with our generation to either sell things to or to get recruits from. And so they think this is how you do it, by appealing to this idea that they think, and I think it is prevalent among the next generation, that America sucks. And it's it's a weird like, it's a weird advertising strategy. It and, is, and almost every institution now is doing it. Um, colleges yes. and universities, United Airlines, right? And United airlines, Airlines, and Airlines. Yes. You bet. Yeah. We're and racist. Yeah. Come yeah. join us. Or police. This police reform thing. Police are systemically racist, but we need more black people to join. Come join a systemically right. racist organization. Right. It's just great. Right. I'm over the line on the break, Brand, and let me come back to you yeah. on Israel. Uh, can we hit a quick break and yeah. uh, uh, an obscene yeah. profit moment? And we'll be right back with more <laughs> from Brandon Weikert, the anti-communist. 
Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Yes, May 25th, we're going to have a great event here. We're bringing Mike Gallagher in, and Andy Biggs will be with us, and I'll be there. We're going to do a talk called Crisis at the Border with your Q&A. It's really more than just the border. We're going to the border the day before. Andy's going to show us around, Mike and me. I did that tour a couple years ago. It's tremendously enlightening. Then we're going to come back and talk about it on the 25th, but it's about much more than just the border. It's about progressivism and the border being one element of the progressive agenda, which Mike and Andy and I will talk about as well. May 25th, you can get your tickets at 960thepatriot.com. You're not going to want to miss it. Mike Gallagher, Andy Biggs, I'll be there too. Can't wait to see you. Brandon Weikert, our guest. Uh, Brandon, tell us what's going on um, in Israel right now. Um, but before I do, let me, let me get you to comment on domestic politics for a moment. Okay always gets us in trouble, which is why I always like doing it. (laughs) Thank you for laughing. That was meant to be funny. Um, The world is so weird. The world is so weird that in June, we're going to get a report from the Department of Defense on UFOs. And people probably won't care because it's just one more in in a number of surprises we've become inured to probably. Could be that uh, Caitlyn Jenner becomes the governor of California. And uh, let me add that uh, Curtis Sliwa uh, could be the mayor of New York City. I mean, this this world is about to get very interesting. Yes. Maybe yes. in a good way. Well, yes. Well, uh, to the point about UFOs, I still think this is the Navy's uh, inertia, inertia mass reduction technology. I'm not. I'm not yet convinced this is actually aliens. I could be wrong. I, I'm with um, you though. I, that's my proclivity is to think that it's not like it's Sasquatch, you know, which we have video of. Right. Right. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I'm not saying it's not aliens. I'm just saying I think you know the likelihood that it is aliens is pretty low. Right. I, I, I could be wrong, and to keep it interesting, I kind of hope I am wrong. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it'll come and go. It, 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 we, we've been used yeah, to so yeah. much convulsion yeah. that I don't yeah. think it'll have a lasting meaning. Yes. And then the other one, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, I think the Republican Party continues to beclown itself <laughs> with these, you know, absurd uh, attempts to, to somehow play identity politics better than the left can. Uh, I think Caitlyn Jenner needs to seek help and uh, not be rewarded with power and the ability to have control over one of the fifth largest economy in the world. California has enough problems. It doesn't need any more. Uh, and, uh, you know, as for the last point, I'm not as familiar with what's going on there. So I'll leave that in your capable hands. Fair enough. Thank you. I'll cover New York. <laughs> Let's go. Speak, speaking of... Speaking of uh, Speaking of cities uh, in turmoil, what's going on in Jerusalem from what you can tell? Well, from what I can tell is this is part of a larger issue. Uh, In my new book uh, that is still under review, the manuscript, but if it comes out, you will find I have tracked the geopolitical moves of Iran as it relates not only to Hezbollah, but Hamas and Fatah, which is the political arm uh, for the or formerly formerly the People's Liberation Organization, which is Yasser Arafat's group, um, and what I found is that beginning over the last few years, uh, Iran has basically coordinated uh, the 
kind of fusion of these groups. They don't have a lot in common other than their shared hatred of Israel. And I, in my book, I argue that it looks like Iran is shepherding or moving the pieces necessary in place to uh, provoke the Third Intifada. And I think what you're seeing in Jerusalem with these these outbursts and these sort of the the the, the, the Arab-Israeli kind of fighting, I think this is pre- a prologue to a wider movement uh, on the part of Iranian-backed militants. Already Hezbollah fired a bunch of missiles at Israel. We know that Israel has been, or not Israel, Iran has been uh, building through its proxies uh, in Lebanon. They've been building uh, stores of precision-guided munitions uh, that Hezbollah plans to use to hit Haifa, which is probably the most economically important city in Israel. And the logic is, if they can use these precision-guided missiles, Hezbollah, to, to basically wipe out the ports at Haifa, they'll have crippled Israel financially uh, for at least six months. And in that time span, as the country shuts down, they will then be able to launch the third intifada with not only Hezbollah, but Hamas, uh, as well as the PLO, uh, you know, the Fatah element, and it all sort of this coordinated attack from within as well as without uh, of Israel. And right now is a bad time for Israel because they have an American ally that has decided to bug out again. Uh, under the Biden administration. It's very clear the Biden administration is disinterested in doing everything necessary to keep its allies in Israel and the Sunni Arab states viable. And that's why now you have these sudden outbursts. I mean, remember... Let me, let me, let me really ask you, i got to take a yeah. quick break, and then we have that short sure. segment on the other side. Let me ask you right. to finish that thought on the other side, but let me leave you with a big question, too. I've never asked this of a foreign policy uh, expert, I don't think. You mentioned the hatred of Israel. Uh, Reserve the answer for the other side of the break. It may be multifaceted. It may be simple. Is it hatred of Israel or is it hatred of Jews and Christians? Tell me that when we come back, Brandon Weikert. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, parts of which are brought to you by, I should say, Solar Sandy, who is uh, the expert on solar in Arizona. She brought integrity back and she actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. If you sign up with Solar Sandy right now, she'll pay your power bills for one year and your solar panel payments for one year, and you will receive a $1,000 bonus at signing. She'll do appointments in person. Or via Zoom. Go to AskSolarSandy.com. Say goodbye to power bill increases. AskSolarSandy.com. Brandon Weikert, our guest. Brandon, I asked you a big question heading into the break. You mentioned hatred of Israel. Is it hatred of Israel or is it hatred of Jews and Christians or is it hatred of the West? Or is it all of it? I think it's all It's all of it. Okay. It's, it's all one big toxic okay. brew. Um, and I don't have the time or the energy to break it down <laughs> beyond the fact they're enemies of civilization. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, you have to understand this. I was the, I was a guy who did multiple courses in my undergrad at DePaul University around the time that Norman Finkelstein had his big issue there, yep. and so I saw firsthand in my undergraduate studies the fallout from that. I saw you know. 
true anti-Semites masquerading as progressives. These are people in my classes. These are some teachers. Uh, and uh, it just, you know, I've seen the face of it in the West, and it's not pretty. And they can try to, you know, dress it up all they want. But it's all of the above. It's the hatred of the West, the hatred of Christianity, because the Christians support Israel for religious reasons, usually. It's also, a, obviously, a hatred of, of, of Jews. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's all of the above. Well... It just shows you the stakes, uh, really, as to what the enemy is and what we need to be to combat it. And, you right. know, if we're, if we're going to tell the rest of the world that the civilization abusers are right and have the better argument and the moral high ground, we might as well just save about a trillion dollars a year right now and wave the <laughs> white flag. Really, really, we might as well just if, – if we have no moral yeah. authority, we have no authority. Right. That's right. That's right. And we do have moral authority. We don't put, you know, millions of people, uh, you know, in in uh, concentration camps because they pray toward Mecca. We don't. We don't. We don't do that. That's what the Chinese are doing right now uh, with the Uyghurs. Uh, and we don't have slave labor. We don't. You know. So it's just very. It should be obvious. Yeah. Especially to these well-educated people. No. But I think precisely because they're well-educated, it's yeah. not obvious. Yeah. We call them learned ignoramuses. <laughs> I will leave you with that, Jim okay. Brandon. I, all right, brother. Until next week. This was great touring. Thank yep. you, sir. Thank you. As always, Bye. Brandon Weicker, publisher of the Weicker Report, author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Great new book exposing the history of the fraud of the New York Times through not just Walter Durante in that famous episode, but over and over again siding with the enemies of the United States and lying about it to do so. We'll talk about that when we come back with the author who wrote the book on it. I'm Seth Leaps, and we'll be right back.